Good morning. I want to greet each one in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ this morning. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. This morning's message is going to be a bit of an apologetics message, thinking about what we believe, why we believe it, why it's important to believe it. Genesis 1, beginning at verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light. That it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. Maybe this morning's message I'm preaching to the choir. I hope that it can be encouraging, challenging to you. Because I believe that what we believe about creation is under assault today. Um, Maybe, maybe none of you here have been tempted to question this passage, this chapter, the next chapter, maybe even the flood story of Noah. Why is it important that we take these verses here in Genesis literal? Why is it important that we believe in the six-day creation and not... Uh, 6,000-year creation, uh, millions of years, billions of years creation. There are many today standing in the pulpit, in pulpits around the world today, who no longer believe it, no longer teach it. That what the Bible says here in the first few chapters of Genesis is literal. There are many who will say that as long as they preach Jesus and salvation, it doesn't matter what we believe about creation. Is this true? And I want to look at why I believe this is not true. It's not possible or definitely not healthy. I found a study online uh, yesterday when I was studying. A study was done in the Netherlands in 2018 with six different Christian denominations. Now, because it's the Netherlands and I can't pronounce the words, I'm I'm just going to call them A, B, C, D, E, and F. Denomination, they looked at two things with these churches. They looked at whether the pastors believed in a six-day creation. And then they also looked at the church membership in those churches and whether they decreased, increased, and all that. So the study was done. They looked at the number of membership in 2009 to 2019, so a 10-year period. Denomination A, 100% of the pastors believed in a six-day creation. The church membership decreased by 2%. Denomination B, 92% of the pastors believed in a six-day creation, and they had a 0% decrease. Denomination C, 20, only 22% of the, of the pastors believed in a six-day creation. They had a 9% decrease. Denomination D, 
Only 18% believed in the six-day creation. They had a 4% decrease. Denomination E, 9% of the pastors believed in the six-day creation, and they had a 13% decrease in church membership. At denomination F, 8% believed in the six-day creation, which means that 92% did not, and they had a 24% decrease. Now, as I often hear at work, Correlation does not always mean causation. Do you know what that, I don't know if that, if you've heard that, if you've thought of that through. But just because something seems to cause something else doesn't mean that it's always to blame. Because it is possible that these churches that had a high percentage of pastors who don't believe in the six-day creation also taught other things that are not biblical, and those things could be driving out the church membership. But there does seem to be some correlation, even if it isn't completely direct correlation. It is important what we believe. Why does it matter if we just take a few books, the beginning of Genesis, and throw them out? And I believe it's because we begin to chip away and undermine the whole Bible. There are people that believe, well, there's a lot of ways, there's a lot of views on on, uh, creation, how the world began. But I believe in my mind there are only really two. They all boil down to two. And I think this is true for many different disagreements with the scripture, with God. That in our minds it might seem like there's a lot of options but often it boils down to two. And so for, fact, for, for an example, Jesus, either he existed or he didn't. There's no third option. Either he is divine or he isn't. There's no third option. Either Jesus rose again or he didn't. There's no third option there. And when it comes to six-day creation... There are those out there that try to put forward other ideas of how God created the world. But I truly believe that either he did it in six days or he didn't do it at all. And why do I say that? It's because we have his word. And he said in his word how he did it. And as with those verses we read there, Time and time again, if you read through Genesis 1, I'm not going to take the time this morning because I want to say a lot of things and don't have time to read all the verses. But at the end of verse 5, he says, And the evening and the morning were the first day, implying a 24-hour day as we still have them today, 6,000 years later. He would say that after each day. He would create things and then he would say, It was the end of another day, the end of another 24-hour period. There are those who try to say, well, maybe a day, you know, the Bible says a day is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. So why couldn't it be that God took a thousand years and called it a day? And part of my disagreement with that, a lot of it has to do with, yes, there are places in the Bible where God uses allegories, There's places in the Bible where he uses parables. And so we can't take literally what the the story is given. But when it comes to Genesis, I challenge you to show me somewhere in Genesis where 
He's speaking in an allegory. I believe in Genesis, when it says it, it's fact. And so why wouldn't that be the case here with the first few chapters of Genesis? So I believe that if God didn't create the earth in six days, as the Bible says, then I don't think God created the earth at all. It's either or. Some, sometimes there's discussions where there's other options, but I believe when it comes to creation, it's either or. Either God created it in six days, or the earth began with the Big Bang, or aliens seeding life from another universe, or even crazier ideas that evolutionists come up with today. This morning, as we look at creation, there's six things I want us to think about, and I'm sure you could come up with more, but why the denial of a six-day creation undermines our faith? I'm going to run through all six quickly, and then I'm going to go back through and dive into each one. The first one is it undermines God's word. If Genesis 1 isn't true, what else isn't true? Number two, if we were not created by God through one man, Adam, as we see here in the beginning of Genesis, I believe we start to believe other things that are not true, that man wasn't really created equal. An example of that is the lies that have been told over the last couple hundred years that if you believe in evolution that blacks, black people, black-skinned people, are less evolved than white people. And many other fallacies that come out of denying of the creation story. Number three, if God didn't create the world in a precise and disciplined way, whereas he has control of each thing that he creates, then it could go out of control if man isn't careful. An example of that is... Melting icebergs flooding the earth from man-made pollution. Number four, if we evolved from monkeys, sin is only a social construct, something made up. Number five, since the Bible says that Jesus was not only present at creation, but did the creating, Jesus now becomes, if we believe in that God didn't create the earth, it just happened, now we believe Jesus is just in another evolved human person. There's no real possible way for him to be the son of God and divine. And six, if we were only evolved from single cell organisms or seated on earth here by aliens, then it is highly unlikely that we have an eternal soul in us. I'm sure that you could think of other things that that are an issue with our faith if we don't believe in the six-day creation. Why did the Bible begin with the story of creation? I think one of the reasons is, is that God made our creatures of finite minds. There's limits to how far our minds can go, how far that we can grasp things. The Bible talks about like when it comes to heaven, there are things that are just beyond what we can even imagine in our, in our minds today. There's limits. There's limitations. And so for us to understand things, 
we best understand it when we understand that there's a beginning and an end. But definitely there has to be a beginning. And so God starts out his scripture explaining how we got here, how it all began, and also helps us to understand our place and position. Where faith must begin is when we start thinking about things that are infinite. When we think about God, he is an infinite being. He always was, always will be. And that's very, very hard for our minds to really grasp, to understand. It's kind of like the idea um, when we think about um, the national debt, the, the, the amount of money that the nation owes other nations. Um, you can't even begin to even wrap your mind around it. The same way God is so great, so infinite, that it's hard for us to wrap our mind around it. The same thing with the fact that our souls are eternal. Sometimes it's hard to grasp. But yet, God asked us to do that in faith. But he didn't ask us to do that in faith when it came to how we got here and how the earth began. He told us here in Genesis 1 and 2. Turn with me to Job chapter 38. It's not necessarily where you think we would go to in defending the idea of a six-day creation. But in Job 38 here, I believe, is another time when God gives us insight. Job 38, verse 1. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee, and answer thou me. Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare, if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measures thereof? If thou knowest, or who hath stretched the line upon it? I think that means like measured it, took a tape measure out and measured it. Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened, or who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy, or who shut up the sea with the doors when it break forth as if it had issued out of the womb? And I'm going to, sorry, I'm going to go to verse 12. When I made the cloud, the garment thereof, and the thick darkness, a swaddling for it, and break up for it my decreed place, and set bars and doors, and said, Hitherto thou shalt come, but no further. Here shall thy proud ways be stayed. Hast thou commanded the morning since thy days, and caused the day spring to know his place? God was once again reminding someone, and in, and in Job, he was a believer. He was um, a follower of God, but yet Job thought he knew a lot of things. When he had responded to his friends who were making accusations against him, he had made a lot of claims about God, and I think that some of them were true, and some of them were, as God said here, without knowledge or without a full understanding of who God is. But we go back to the idea here of God made it. God created it. It didn't just come about by a chance, by a bang, by luck. It came about through 
an infinite sovereign God deciding on each detail, declaring each thing, setting in bounds, just like they they talked about the oceans, holding them back and then letting them go forth. We know we've, we've seen the power of an earthquake under the ocean, the destruction that it can do. It's like God has pulled the water in and then he lets it out. Mankind can't do anything like that. We, we don't have that strength, that power, but God does. Now I'd like to go through quickly looking at the six things that I mentioned. The first one, undermining God's word. If Genesis 1 isn't true, what else isn't true? Thinking about Genesis and the beginning of creation, how did Satan get Adam and Eve to fall? It was by getting them to doubt what God had said. God never said that you shouldn't eat of the tree of good and evil, but yet he had, and they knew it. But Satan got them to doubt it, and I think that's what Satan is doing today when he gets people to doubt the creation story. If Satan can get us to deny the creation story, what else can he get us to deny? I think it just goes on and on. Number two, if we were not created by God through one man, Adam, then we start to think that men are not created equal. I I believe that Charles Darwin's theory of evolution, even though it wasn't the cause of slavery, and we think of slavery as being very evil, but since Charles Darwin's books on evolution and the acceptance by millions of people, even billions of people around the world, the dehumanizing of people, the treating other humans as not less than human, has gotten much, much worse than it ever had been before. And I think it was key. When you no longer look at your fellow human being, no matter what country they come from, no matter what they look like, if you treat them as less than yourself, it's starting to buy in to this idea that we truly aren't created by God. We think about the Yes, there was abortions since early on. The Old Testament records nations around Israel that would kill their children, and even that even came into the nation of Israel. But today, the amount of abortions has accelerated extremely to to, just terrible numbers. Number three, if God didn't create the earth, the world, in a precise and disciplined way, then it could go out of control if man isn't careful. And we see this idea taught that, well, we better, we better reduce the world population. We better do this and that. Whether it's solar panels, electric cars, whatever they come up with, we have to do this so we can save the earth. Gives the idea that the earth just came here by chance, and so if we're not careful, it'll fall back out of balance. But if we understand that God created it, And he holds it in his control. Then we no longer have to fear the world coming apart in that way. I believe the world will come apart in other ways. And that's through people turning away from God. But not in the sense that many people out there believe. 
I believe it, it, it denies the existence of a sovereign God, one that's in control. Number four, I said if we evolve from monkeys, sin is only a social construct. And we see this just tearing our culture apart here in the West. Um, that if there is no God, if he didn't create us, then we can decide whatever morals we want to have. We can decide what gender we are. We can decide if something is right or wrong. And really there is no sin. It's just whatever I decide. And we have biblical, this isn't anything new, but I think it's getting worse. Genesis 6, uh, verses 5 through 7. This has happened before. Genesis 6, verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth. And it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air. For it repenteth me that I have made them. Only 1,500 years into world history, after the creation, and there were the majority of man on earth was just doing every evil thing, corrupt thing that he could think of. And I believe this happens when we reject God, when we reject who he is. Then we just chase after every little thing. Matthew fifteen nineteen says, For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, theft, false witness, and blasphemies. It's true today, it was true then. Number five, since the Bible says that Jesus was only present was not only present at creation, but did the creating. And then if we reject that, now Jesus becomes only an involved human. Is it possible, I mentioned early in the message, is it possible for people out there to believe in evolution but to also believe that Jesus died and rose again? There are people claiming that today. They're claiming that both is possible. Evolution happened, but that Jesus is their Savior. Even if it's possible, I I question whether it is, I believe this is a very dangerous spiritual position. And the foundations of their beliefs are built on sand rather than rock. The story that Jesus gave in the Sermon on the Mount of the man who built his house on the sand. And I believe our spiritual lives will be built on sand if we build it upon that. Even if we claim Jesus is our Savior. If we don't believe that he was there at the beginning when the earth was created... If we don't believe that he chose to come to earth, someone who is divine, a part of God, it just starts chipping away at who Jesus really was. It starts chipping away at the idea that he could come, die for our sins, and truly save us. I believe people who claim that, that they can believe in evolution, but believe that Jesus 
died and rose again, I believe will eventually become agnostic, which is someone who believes that God is unknown and probably unknowable. Someone who is unwilling to commit to much of anything for sure about God. And I think we see many so-called Christians, many churches today, going down that path. Claiming to know the truth, claiming to teach the truth, but in all reality, they're really just agnostic. Their, their view of, the, of God, their view of Jesus, kind of just evolves and follows the world. And then number six, if we're only evolved, evolved from single-cell organisms or seated here on earth by aliens, it is highly unlikely that we have an eternal soul in us. If we don't have a soul then there isn't much that we can really call wrong. We can lie, steal, cheat, kill our enemies, do whatever we want if there's no soul. Kind of goes along with number four, that we dehumanize others and we basically do whatever we want. In closing, turn with me to Revelations chapter 21. I do want to say that I do believe in the six-day creation, and because of that, I believe with all my heart what it says here in Revelations 21. Verse 1, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said, Write, for these, things, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. If we don't believe that God created the earth in the beginning, how much do we, would we really believe that God created, could create a new heaven and a new earth? If Jesus was just an evolved being like we are, would we really believe that he was in heaven today building and preparing mansions for us? Because that's my belief, that's my hope and my prayer, that he's building mansions for each one of us that are here today. And I believe that he truly was the creator of the world, and also will create a new heaven and a new earth. And my hope is there. And I hope that each one of you have that same hope. That if he can create the amazing universe that we see around us. Yes, sin has caused a lot of sorrow and a lot of tragedy in the world that we live today. But there are still amazing things that we can see every day. Sunrises, sunsets, creation. We see an amazing God in what he made. 
And so I also have faith that he is preparing a place for us that are ready, that have called him our God, that have we have given our lives over to. So that, I hope, is an encouraging message, but also a challenge. Be careful not to fall into the trap of thinking that we can deny parts of the scripture but still hold on to the truth. We need to believe it all. We need to believe that God said what he, believe what's in the word of God, that it came from him, that it's inspired by him. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Lord, we come to you this morning. Lord, you know the hearts of each one here this morning. You know if there's someone here this morning that's struggling, that's doubting this. I pray, Lord, that you just touch their hearts and minds. You would help build up their faith and that they could fully turn their lives over to you and trust in you. I pray, Lord, that you would just help us, each one that's a believer this morning, to be a light to those around us, Lord, that don't believe these things. That they could see something different in us. That it gives us confidence and hope and strength to live out our days. That we don't have to live in fear. Because you created it, you're holding it together, and that you care about and love each one of us. I just pray, Lord, you would bless each one that's here this morning. Help us to go faithfully with you until you call us home. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm.